ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله عليه وسلامه وعلى اله واصحابه ومن استن بسنته اجمعين يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد عباد الله we've been speaking over the past couple of weeks regarding the uh, outward appearance of uh, this dunya and how it tricks us and deceives us into thinking that this world is a life full of uh, pleasures fulfillment of desires of happiness and achieving one's lofty goals and what we've been trying to do is uh, lift off the veil uh, of what the realities of the dunya really are <clears throat> and we've drawn many examples and parables from things that have been happening uh, there uh, right in front of us uh, in our contemporary lives and it's important that this uh, concept of the fact that this dunya is just a mirage, a veil, something that is pulled over your eyes in order to distract you temporarily from that which matters most, which is the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the recognition of your creator subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the understanding that one day you are going to return back to this creator who created you, who will hold you to account for all of those things that you used to do. And we temporarily get distracted because of the veil that is pulled over our eyes. And it is pulled over our eyes by a marketing machine that billions and billions of dollars are poured into it on a, not even a yearly basis, on like a monthly basis. This thing is being pushed and pushed hard by many, many people and many, many people of influence. And it is really, really difficult for us as people, as Muslims, as people with Iman in our hearts that recognize that we need to traverse this world upon Tawheed, upon Ikhlas, upon the Sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But in order to do that, we have to almost slalom. We have to almost like going through like an obstacle course where this dunya is chucked at us here, Hasid is chucked at us there, Kibr is chucked at us from over here, uh, there's, uh, what's it called, um, uh, money is being thrown at us from over here. Poverty is being thrown at us from over here. Shaitan is whispering to us in our ear. Our nafs wants things and desires and covets things. And we have to slalom through all of these different things and try and reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through all of that. And it is a difficult task. And it is made even more difficult by those who are perpetuating these things. They are throwing these things at you. It'd be okay if you were to traverse through this world and these things are just there naturally, just normally. They're there and you can ignore it and you can go to your little circle of people and friends and Alhamdulillah, you're far away from that sort of stuff. You are in a country or society or a city where everybody worships Allah. The Adhan is going off in, on the speakers. Everybody is attending Salah. Everybody is doing Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahi al-Munkar. If they see you doing something uh, that is against the Sharia, on openly in the street they will stop you and they will tell you listen brother sister don't do this this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased with and you're doing it openly it is even worse 
But here you can't do that. You can't do that in the 21st century. You can't pull someone up for doing something wrong. Brother, these are my freedoms. We are a libertarian society. We are all about our freedoms and our liberties. You, we can decide whatever we want to do and no one can tell us what to do. And if you tell us what to do, that is now tyranny. You are now oppressing me. You are now encroaching on my rights. I have the right to do anything that I want as long as I am not harming anybody else. Is that not what they say today? La wallahi. This is lies upon lies. Why? Because it is not taken from authority. A Muslim, as a Muslim, we accept principles and we have principles 100% and we have principles of freedom we have principles of equality we have a principle we have principles of uh, people's rights to do certain things how they want to do them right but that authority is taken not from me not from you not from some uh, philosopher or not from some uh, guy who knows the law really well and draws out all these qawaneen and all these rules in government not taken from these people it's taken from Allah and his Rasul is taken from authority. So we as Muslims, when we enact our principles, we enact our principles based on authority. If that principle, however good it may seem on the outside, if that principle doesn't come from that authority, then we don't accept it. We don't agree with it. And we don't enact it in our lives. And brothers and sisters, wallahi, on the outside, these principles that these people espouse, they look good. They sound good. They have absolutely exceptional sound bites to the point where when you hear it, you're like, SubhanAllah, I know I don't agree with that because I'm Muslim, but it sounds really good. And if I say, no, I don't agree with that, I'm going to look really bad. So if someone says to me, uh, um, uh, men and women are the same in everything. And in fact, you can be, if you're a woman, you can actually be a man. And if you're a man, you can actually identify as a woman. Right? And it's like, you can, you can be free to do whatever you want. As long as I'm not harming you, brother. Right? As long as I do that in my own private life, is that a bad thing? It's like, wallah, if you do it on your own and you're not harming me, you know what, do what you want. Right? But if I say, no, you can't do that even in your own private life, I kind of look like a bit of a, bit of a bigot, a bit of an oppressor, a bit of someone who's encroaching on other people's rights, and so on and so forth. Right? So you can't even pull people up on things anymore. Right? But as a Muslim, because this doesn't come from the authority, because this doesn't come from Allah or His Messenger in its entirety, from its very origins, it's rejected. Not because I don't like you as a person, not because I don't agree with any of the principles that you espouse, not because you're a, a fasiq or a kafir or anything like that, not because of any of these issues. It's because it doesn't come from that authority. And that authority is what I derive everything in my life from. So, going back to the point, which is these people, they make these things sound so amazing. I mean, there's some things like the examples that I just gave, they're just blatantly like every Muslim recognizes, you know, <laughs> this is absolute nonsense. But there are other things like equality, right, um, and uh, liberty, freedom, fraternity, all these concepts that seem really good, seem really like this is as Muslims, we should also espouse to this too, right? And you kind of like go along with the crowd and say what other people are saying as well. And you kind of find some ahadith and some ayat that kind of allude to these same concepts. So you use these ayat and ahadith to then uh, adopt these very same concepts in Islam and so on and so forth. Then you get hit by some other ayat as well, right? Uh, or some other ahadith that talk about, you know, perhaps some inequality between the sexes and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe I can't apply this principle in its entirety uh, fully in all situations, in all scenarios. So I'm just going to make a couple of exceptions. But the second you make that exception for that principle, it no longer remains a principle. It just remains something that uh, you do uh, sometimes and you leave uh, other times. The point is, brothers and sisters, it's all a veil. They are, de they are deceiving you to 
understand that what these principles that they are espousing are are something that is good and something that is good for humanity and good universally wherever you go in the world whether it's here in the UK in the US or Uganda or uh, Indonesia or wherever you go in the world these principles can be enacted and they are good for everybody we say as Muslims no the principles that are good for everybody are the principles that are laid down by Allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam why because they are the only authority that we accept we don't accept anybody else's authority. Imam Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He says, That everybody's statement is taken and everybody's statement is rejected. One of the two. Except the person who resides here. And he pointed to the uh, grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Because he came with the revelation. He came with the sharia and he came with the sunnah to explain that sharia. Now, when the veil is lifted from these people, we see their true realities and they will make excuses once that veil is lifted we gave a few examples last week of the trial between johnny depp and amber heard what a veil that was subhanallah the pomp and glamour of what fame and fortune is all about and suddenly when it's lifted you find this ugly underbelly the rule makers the lawmakers even of our country here in the uk they will espouse all of these the rule of law you have to follow this these qawaneen that we set for you and the, these these rules and regulations they are set for the good of our uh, um, uh, our populace and we too are abiding by them stay two meter distances and don't uh, have parties and stuff but as soon as that veil is lifted you see them all with a glass of wine in their hands eating cheese and relaxing with one another ah that veil when it's lifted you see the reality who is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the Quran that does something outwardly but privately does something else? Who is it? What people that Allah, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe that say something on their tongues and do something with their limbs but in their hearts is something that is totally opposite to that? It is the munafiqun, it is those hypocrites that espouse iman on their tongues and pretend to act like righteous people but behind closed doors, behind the veil, they are fusaq, kuffar Al-Fasidun uh, They are those evil, corrupted individuals And it is these people Because that veil is so shiny And so glittery And so evasive And so evocative And so distracting That we end up following the veil And forget what is behind that We forget the reality Whereas as Muslims We should be those who on our outward Is as it is in, uh, in our inward What is in our hearts Comes out on our limbs and on our tongues not what comes on our tongues is not on our hearts. That is how a Muslim should be. And that is the reality of ikhlas. Congruence. Outside, inside. Inside, outside. When I'm in private, I am the same as I am in public. When I'm in public, I am the same as I am in private. If I am praised for the things that I do, it is exactly the same as if I'm not praised for the things that I do. That is true ikhlas. Doing it for the sake of Allah and Allah alone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding these people who are all about the outward and not about the inward that if you see them, see their outward appearance you are amazed, wow man, this guy's doing really well look at the car that he's driving, look at the house that he's got look at the things that he's able to do he's a philanthropist, yeah sure he does some bad things but look at the amount of good he's, he's doing so he must be on the right path man, he must be doing something right let me follow in his footsteps, let me do what he does let me take a riba we loan <laughs> in order to achieve what I've got to achieve. Right? And when they speak, 
And because they speak with their uh, they, they beautify and they speak with fasaha, they speak with such eloquence and they speak with such veracity and such almost like yaqeen, absolute certainty in the way that they lead their lives, this is the way that everybody should lead their lives. And one way in public, another way in private. Right? PR campaign, marketing. I am uh, amazing just because I have all the money in the world. Right? I am amazing because I have power and I have authority and I am able to enact decisions and as soon as I say, suddenly everybody starts to follow me. Right? So that veil, as soon as that's lifted though, ah, you see the reality of that individual. Allah says regarding these people though, that they are the true enemy, so be wary of them. These people, they don't know, the reason why they are this way is not because they are inherently evil or there is something in their hearts that can't be removed and they are forever going to be this way. No, the only reason why they are like that is because all they know of this world is the apparent. All they know of this world is what they can see. Whereas a Muslim, he recognizes that there is more to this world than the apparent. There is more to this world than what you can just see, and what you can just hear, and what you can just sense and touch. Rather, there is Allah, there is the ghaib, there is the unseen. There are things happening in this world that we have absolutely no power over whatsoever. And no knowledge of were it not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reveal that to us. We have no knowledge of the akhirah except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us all about it. We have no idea how to even worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed us and taught us through the Quran and through the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Otherwise, we are absolutely ignorant of these facts. There are things going on in this world that we would have no idea about were or not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, informing us. So we recognize these things as a Muslim and it's not just about the material world, it is more than that. We recognize that it's not just about what you're wearing, it's not just about what you look like, it's not just about how tall you are, what car you drive, what house you live in for me to respect you. No, you have something in your heart. You have something that brought you here today. You have something that makes you, whenever you see someone as a Muslim, say to him, Assalamu Alaikum. You have something that in your heart allows you to have mercy towards mankind. And that is your Iman. That is what connects me and you. That is what connects you to the people around you. That is what connects our hearts together. Even though we are from distant lands and foreign uh, languages and different colors and hues and different cultures entirely. And it's because they only recognize the, uh, the outward material of this dunya. That's the reason why they are like this. All they know is the outward appearance of this dunya. That's all they know. And they are akin to those who don't know anything about this world. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa'adallahi haq. Wa'adallahi la yukhlifu wa'adahu. Walakinna akthar nasi la ya'lamun ya'lamun adhahira min al-hayat al-dunya. So in the previous verse, he says that uh, this is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's talking about the victory that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to provide the believers if they just believe in him and so on and so forth. Uh, and then he goes on to say that this is a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't uh, uh, fall short on his promises. And they, uh, people, people of Iman realize this, but the vast majority of people don't realize this. They are ignorant of this fact. All they know is the apparent of this, of the life of this world. That's all they know. And because they, all they recognize is the apparent of this world, they go along with just the apparent of this world. So if it means that I can get away with uh, amassing a vast amount of wealth by skullduggery, by lying, by cheating, by doing things that aren't moral and ethical, and I can get away with that, I will do it. If I can't get away with it, I won't do it. Why? Because that's zahirun min al-hayat al-dunya. That's all they know, the apparent. If I can show people on my outward, 
and I can run this PR campaign online and show everybody how much I am a, a generous person and how well I am in terms of my attitude and my akhlaq and how giving I am and how well respected I am and how smart I am and how much I'm a, a, of a genius I am kind of talking about Elon Musk here but uh, all of these things, all of these characteristics if I can show people all of these things right, and I can get away with that I can be however I want behind closed doors why? because that's all people can see and as long as that's all people can see, I can get away with anything else. Whereas a mu'min is not like that. And that's not how the Prophet was. When we look at the Prophet you have in the Prophet the best of examples. We look on the outward appearance of the Prophet and his life. We know that he lived in Mecca for a certain number of years. He was a, a, a trader, he got married, he had kids, he was a father, he was a family man. Then when he was 40, he got revelation received to him and he called his people to it. He received persecution as a result of that. And then he migrated 13 years later to Medina where he was accepted and loved by those people in Medina. And he grew strong and then he fought against those who fought him until he was victorious and he passed away. And then after he passed away, his success was then realized on a, on a larger scale throughout the world. And up until this day, 1400 years later, we are still singing his praise sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? That's the apparent of his life. But as soon as you lift the veil of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's life, it's not the, what, what, uh, what happens when you lift the veil of the dunya. Rather, when you lift the veil of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are even more in awe of his life. You are even more in awe of his character, of his uh, patience, of his forbearance, of his courage, of his uh, mercy of his affection towards the believers and towards his family. You are amazed of his ibadah and his servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are amazed at his patience with regards to his people, those who are with him and those who are against him. Do we not see on the day of uh, uh, the conquest of Mecca, he had the ability to enact vengeance that he, that he could have done and that he was absolutely justified to do upon the people of Mecca who had fought against him for over 20 years and they wished to kill him and kill his companions. And what did he say? Idhabu fa Go all of you for you are all free. That is the Prophet When it was said to him, when he was uh, spreading the ghana'im of uh, Hunayn, the battle of Hunayn, they finished the battle of Hunayn and they were spreading out the spoils of war. And he was giving to certain people and he wasn't giving to others. And a man said to him, and Abdullah bin Mas'udi heard this man say that this a portion of the spoils of war is not just and it's not Allah that the Prophet seeks as a result of spreading this wealth or that he seeks something else so Abdullah Masood went to the Prophet and he informed him this is what this man is saying about you and the Prophet he got a bit angry and he said who is going to be just if Allah and his messenger are not just he said call him and give him that which he wants. That is the Prophet ﷺ. Even when he is denigrated, even when he is told that you are not being just and you are not being uh, sincere, he gives uh, uh, in spite of that. He is generous in spite of that. He shows his khuluq in spite of that. When it comes to his ibadah, three men came to the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, they came to his home and they asked about uh, if the Prophet ﷺ is there or not. And his, one of his wives said he's not around. 
So then they asked his wife, okay, how is the Prophet when he's at home? And she, they, and she described how he is when he's at home. And when, the way they were describing him is almost as if they belittled the actions of the Prophet meaning that he doesn't pray as much as they thought he would pray, he doesn't fast as much as he, as he fasts and so on and so forth. And maybe like in terms of his food intake and stuff like that, they thought of something different. Right? So one of them said, I'm going to fast, I'm not going to break my fast. The other said, I'm not going to get married at all. And the other one said that I'm going to pray uh, all night and I'm not going to sleep. And the Prophet ﷺ found out about it, and then when he, when he heard what was going on, he told them that, no, I, I, got, I get married, and I fast sometimes, and I break my fast as well. And I pray in the night, but I also sleep. And this is my way, and whoever takes it away other than my way, then he is not from me. This is a balance of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. How many difficulties did he go through? And he was still sincere in his ibadah, still sincere in his da'wah, still calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in spite of those difficulties. This is the life of the Prophet This is the inspiration that we as Muslims take on board with us. And when we say that we should follow in the footsteps of the Prophet that we should enact the sunnah of the Prophet in our lives, it is because of this, this ikhlas, this outward appearance that is beautiful and the inward appearance also that is beautiful. And that is how all of us should be. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to be able to enact that insha'Allah ta'ala. To be sincere and to be as we are outside in our hearts is exactly the same. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisa'il muslimina fastaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafoorul raheem. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala wa ba'd. Quite a heavy admonition, please don't take uh, um, my words to heart, uh, but inshallah take a lesson from them uh, and it is incumbent on me as well to take lessons from my own words so that I don't become that, uh, the, that person who says but doesn't do uh, or do uh, that which he doesn't say. So inshallah, uh, let us all be uh, of those who are sincere like that inshallah and take from the best of what is being said. One of the ways inshallah that we can enact and uh, fortify that ikhlas in our hearts is to establish a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a relationship with him. And one of the best relationships that you can possibly have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your salah. And one of the main proponents of your salah is the recitation of the Quran and dhikr and dua. And there is a time on the day of Jumu'ah uh, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asked for anything, He doesn't leave the one who asks Him empty-handed, meaning He's going to accept your du'as and He's going to answer them. So we've developed that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our, with our du'as and through our du'as. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this hour that we hope is the hour of istijaba, insha'Allah ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our sins to overlook our shortcomings and save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Allahumma rizukna al-ikhlasa fil qawli wal-amal ya rabbil alameen. Allahumma ja'alna hudatan muhtadeen. La taj'alna dalina mudilleen. Allahumma ati nufusana taqwaha wa zakiha anta khayru min zakaha anta waliyuha wa mawlaha. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما يا رب العالمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله العلي الجليل يذكركم مشكروه ويزدكم لذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقيم الصلاة